Greetings, everybody. You. It's your boy, Steve. It's your boy. Joined by... Matthew. How's everybody doing? It's <laughs> your boy, number two. <laughs> and this is the silly one. This is the behind-the-scenes podcast. It is episode four, which for some reason just makes me think that I should have a Star Wars reference. Um... But I do not. I've never seen a full Star Wars. Oh, good. I guess it's up to me. Have you? <laughs> yeah, but I don't remember anything. Okay, then we're on the same page. The only thing I do remember or know about Star Wars Ooh, is um, <laughs> Jabberwockies. <laughs> <laughs> is uh, the Star Trek airship and... That's a bad joke. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, <Yeah. laughs> um, I think it was on like TRL or something uh, back in the day that uh, Mr. Carson Daly showed a little segment of, you know, it's probably a promo for one of the, the new movies or something. Um, but to show a scene from Star Wars as you would see it in the theaters. Um, and then they just took the music out and said, okay, now watch this scene. And, like, yeah, there's stuff flying all over the place and shooting laser beams and everything. But, I mean, just the whole... It was different. The whole mood was different. And I remember being, like, sitting there waiting for the Sum 41 video to come on and like, the number eight spot. And then just being like, whoa. I guess I never really, at that point, um, thought about music, you know, in movies or as, as a mood thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the soundtracks like really like add a whole ton. Like whenever I see like a vinyl we have for like a soundtrack, when I first saw them, it was like, who would buy that? Like I just never really thought like, oh, you'd want to get the soundtrack from that movie, but it like really does add like a whole mood when you piece it together. I think our two top selling soundtracks on vinyl would be Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, Is Forrest Gump one of them? Because we had that one in a couple times. We did. That was a really expensive one. It was like four. It was awesome, but um, because of that, you know, we I think we sold like four or five that we ordered. But overall, um, Guardians of the Galaxy and then Juno. Everyone loves oh, yeah. the Juno soundtrack. So Still, kinda, too. That's 2007. Yeah. Or like, wait, was that 2007? Uh, yeah, I believe it was. like 10 years ago. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah, and, and people always do. It's, it's interesting because of the, the subject matter of that movie, too, um, to just hear all the conversations that people have about it and how it affected them or it didn't affect them or... You know, whatever, it, it seems to like have really made an impact on a lot of people. Um, and I can't even tell you what is on the soundtrack. We should check that out. But I think bands like the Moldy Peaches and stuff like that, they're just like really super indie, like around like 2007, 2008, like kind of hipsterish kind of vibe. Yeah. The Moldy Peaches. Yeah. <laughs> Greatest hit. More like folky, kind of like banjo y stuff. Yeah. Is there really a band called the Moldy Peaches? Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't make that up. <laughs> now the uh, Cat Powers version of uh, Sea of Love. It's like a really, really light like auto harp. It's like, bring, 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 bring. It's like a really, really slow track, but that's on there. It's a pretty song. Beautiful. Well, so yeah, since we don't have a guest today, um, it is just going to be Matt and I, and this is going to be, it's like a matinee with Matt and I, and it's just going to be a little behind the scenes of, of what is going on. And uh, we do have a ton of stuff going on but um i think the most recent most exciting thing is something that matt has near and dear to his heart and uh we got for the first time some nice uh handmade didgeridoos from the jmj experience aka jake jones my buddy jake jones yeah so yeah tell us about that whole thing 
Well, Jake, he's from uh, he's from Florida, and usually didgeridoos like the most common ones you can see are like bamboo, or they have um, eucalyptus. Like they'll knock them out of the trees and like hollow them out and everything. But what he has down in Florida, like he'll go in like the swampland and like just chop down agave stalks, which are so sick, dude. I didn't know they were completely hollow in the middle. I thought they had like meat because you can get like a agave syrup. You can eat them and things like that and just whatever. But when they die, he'll chop the bottoms off and sometimes he'll have a, a bell where all the spikes come out at the bottom. If you go on Google and just type in agave stalk, if you've never seen one, they're beautiful. Check them out. But they got like flowers hanging off the side of them and stuff, but they're big hollow tubes, so he'll cut them. And then he'll take them down, he'll, he'll let them dry in the sun, and they'll get all, like, just browned out, and he'll just make sure they're all, like, really sturdy. Then lacquer them up and just make the mouthpiece out of, like, Brazilian wild heart or all this kind of crazy wood. And it's just, like, the warmest tone I've ever heard out of a ditch. The mouthpieces are, are stunning. Um, you can head to, you know, our website or Instagram, and you'll, you'll see some pictures. Um, but so the agave, when it's dead, it's still vertical. Mm-hmm. Um, in the ground, like you were saying, so it doesn't have that, like it's green-ish, or it's pre- it's it's green, yeah. But like after it dies, it turns in like this, like like the ones that we have here. They're like brown. It kind of looks like they're painted. It looks like uh, it looks like almost too perfect. You're like, wow, that's real. That's actually how they look. When I was editing the pictures, yeah, I you know I was doing the little editing things to it, and it does. It looks like someone just took a paintbrush and dipped it in like blackish brown. Uh, paint and just did strokes like with a light thin brush just up and long down thin stalk. black lines like it's really cool you can make they grow like super tall they can make them really short but we have ones that are like what like about five and a half feet tall and like the one that i actually got had little like little flower like knobs on the side almost it looks super like, really really natural but that was probably like up to my waist like three feet but that's like a nice sturdy like thick drone it's awesome and so you've been given uh, some didgeridoo lessons. That's swelled up a little bit. Yeah, it's been awesome. Without giving away the secret to the soup, what uh, what is a didge lesson in, in short? A didge lesson in short is kind of learning how to breathe all over again, you know? It's like similar to uh, to voice lessons. Like when I took some here, it really helped me understand like how to teach someone how to play didge because you have to know where your diaphragm is and like how to use your mouth and like different vowels and things like that. Like don't breathe from your your shoulders. Breathe from down and out from your belly. And basically, <coughs> the first lesson always consists of can you go? All right, cool. Next lesson. <laughs> You're good. That's the drone note when you go, and you can make that. And there's another step. There's a couple different things, but the very beginning is really just making that thick, hearty drone note. And if you can do that, you can do everything else. And we just had one yesterday with my, my friend Thaisa. Yeah, and she, uh, she took a few uke lessons, guitar lessons, and she said, you know what? I want to learn how to play didge, Matt. And I was like, well, I got you. Let's do it. I want to learn how to play didge. Uh, you kind of started giving me the rundown, but I'm doing singing lessons, as you just uh, alluded to, um, like the relationship between the didgeridoo and, and singing lessons. And so for me, I've wanted to sing so bad for so long and have these songs, and I want to be able to sing on them, you know, with you and with other people and stuff. And um, and so the essentially the high and the core workout that it seemed like I was I'm getting from the singing lessons uh, when I was trying out those new didgeridoos. I felt similar things in my body. Um, and after having some breakthroughs in my last voice lesson, I uh, decided, yeah, like let's let's do the didge together because 
it can only help. And I guess if, if you can circular breathe, if nothing else, then you can just take some time each day without a didgeridoo and uh, even and just, I guess, breathe. Um, is that is that something you do or is it? Oh, all day. Easier to circular breathe when you have like something locked on your lips or is it kind of? It's a little easier because you kind of have to make your mouth a little tighter just to do it on its own, just to get the demonstration. But if you do have a dig, it just rattles your head. It's great. <laughs> but you were saying you did it in traffic the other day. You were just sitting there. You're like, oh, I'm practicing. I'm sitting at a red light. It's gridlock traffic. But I want to just try to meditate for a sec and chill out. Yeah, I was I was on foot. I was not operating machinery. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like tripping myself out. Close my eyes. Lock the doors. <laughs> no, I was probably going uh, on a cheese run to Whole Foods or, or to grab a slice from our friends at Little Italy. Um, but yeah, I had just had the singing lesson. I just talked to you about that stuff. And so I was, the same with, with singing is, um, you know, it, it's at least my gut reaction to just, like, go ham immediately with, like, the whole process right away. So it was a lot of, okay, instead of, like, making sure I breathe in as much air as fast as possible and then just, like, blow it out real hard, um, it's, it's learning to how to fill get your your lung capacity your air your diaphragm your stomach how to get everything uh calibrated and then it's really instead of like how powerful can you push all that out it, it's actually um how long can you make that last yeah and sustainability still, yes yeah. and and still be effective um and so i was i was walking and a red light came and that's when i realized like oh i have to stop and i had been um loading the chamber uh then using my cheeks as i was running out of out of air and and my lungs and whatnot um to kind of keep the rest going while i tried to reload with my nose and i swear i got it like like for that moment you will yeah for like a second you're like oh i did it and then for like 20 minutes you try again it's like ah keep working you know and it, it is so euphoric when you do get it and it's so pure i did an oxygen bar like in uh vegas a couple years ago where it's just pure have you ever done one of these? No, I don't know what that is. You just, um, it was like in the resort or in the casino or something. And you just walk up and they have flavored flavored oxygens. And I forget if it was like a straw thing or like a mask thing, but they just blast you with flavored, like pure oxygen. And it is like uh, a very euphoric kind of high feeling. Um and so you sit there, you do it for a couple minutes, and then and then you stand up, and it's kind of that. Um, I was describing it to to Lauren in in my voice lesson, like when your arm falls asleep and you have like the beans, if you will, in your arm. It's kind of like that feeling, but without the beans. So it's like you're there's like a sensation there, kind of like that heat, maybe without like feeling little bean things i don't know it's pretty crazy it's it's wild like changing your breath around you don't really do it in any other aspect of your life at all everything's either rushed or you're sleeping you know what i mean like that's, that's the generally the two kind of phases that we have mm -hmm. but when you play ditch and you do different rhythms like when you're breathing in and out really fast like and making like a boom da -da boom ba -ba boom and doing that for like two three minutes straight you get done you feel lightheaded but in a good way it's not like you're winded you're like everything just be, is a little bit clearer. Like you just kind of cleared everything out. Your blood's running faster. It's going through your body better. You're just getting more air into your system. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, as, as I guess I get more effective in, in like the voice lesson too, the, 
the burping and the yawning and the lightheadedness just increases and increases as we kind of <laughs> figure everything out and, and calibrate it. Next lesson, burp for 20 <laughs> minutes straight and you'll get it. It probably doesn't help that I have a bottle of, like a big bottle of seltzer and, and fresh <laughs> off of like a bowl and a half of mac and cheese before <laughs> these lessons. But you got to do what you got to do. But no, I'm excited to have these. Uh, and thank you to to Jake for making these and, and working with us and getting them here in Philadelphia. Uh, it's really cool to have something that's uh, handmade and, and unique and, and from you know somewhere in the States that's based on something from literally like around the world you know however many many years ago and and people really have been uh have been excited to see them in the store so if you're out there and you're anywhere near us and you're even curious about the didge uh definitely come on in hit up maddie boy i'm usually behind the desk yeah so it'd be like sweet i want a drone bro he's usually behind the desk with a didgeridoo uh, sometimes, uh, hey, how you doing might be replaced with a That guy is forever going to be on our brains, man. He came in for like, uh, he was going to meet some friends at Brow House next door, right? Uh, bun Me and Bottles. Bun Me and Bottles, okay, yeah. He was, uh, he was actually going to Bun Me, and he played guitar, and he just like, oh, my friends, I'm here early or they're late or something, so I'm just coming to hang out. I got like a half hour, hour to kill. We're like, oh yeah, we rent the rooms out and stuff, and he loved the seagulls, so he was just like, what? 30 bucks? Yeah, sweet. And he ran back here into this room right here, mm-hmm. and we walked by, like, taking boxes downstairs, and he is just killing it, like, stomping his foot and just screaming, Steve, if you will. Just strumming, dude. If you're out there, you made such an impact on, on our lives, because actually, yeah, I think the way I remember it is, um, we were hanging out there, it was towards the end of the night. I think maybe we closed at eight, maybe it was around seven or something like that. And I think he came in and he was like, yo, meeting my friends at Bami and Bottles in like an hour or something. Um, do you guys know of a place that I can, you know, even rent or pay money or like whatever to play music? I think was like the phrasing. And we're still um, getting up and running certain aspects of this this place. And one of them being uh, renting the rooms for DIY use. And we were like, well, actually, yeah, you can just... For thirty bucks an hour, use anything in the store and use a room. So <laughs> we got yeah, it was a seagull with the electronics built in because he wanted the microphone uh, for his vocals, the seagull and all those things running into an amp just so he could hear himself. And he had so much fun he and really was just did. losing it. And it was so great to hear um, and just constant entertainment. But he was like going in and out of different pop songs, some that were older, some newer. And just thrown in the shibbity bop bop shibbity bops everywhere. <laughs> and that has not left me. Um, so thank you, sir. Unfortunately, I don't have your name on the top of my head right now. But if you happen to hear this, please come back. You shibbity bop. Come on back, There's dude. an hour of shibbity bobbing on the house. <laughs> it's all yours. Oh, yeah. Please come claim it. And uh, on that tip, actually, if someone does come in here and gives us a good shibbity bop, shibbity bop, shibbity bop, bop, shibbity bop, we will give you a free hour uh, of room rental for you to check it out. Uh, so that's it. You got to hear this podcast. You got to give us a shibbity bop, shibbity bop, shibbity bop, bop, shibbity bop. We will give you one free hour in the room. It might not happen right when you shibbity bop us. So keep that in mind. Um, we probably will need to schedule it. But, but put it in your back pocket. 
put it in your back pocket. <laughs> and you pick it back, put it back, put it back, back, put it back pocket. <laughs> and come on by. Um, speaking of those Seagull guitars, too, the other new thing to, to talk about uh, is we did get uh, even more involved with the Godan family of acoustic guitars. And we have some A&Ls coming in, which stands for Art and Luthery. Um, it was a line that was doing very well and was, was pretty popular a number of years ago. And then, as I understand it, uh, Seagull actually kind of cannibalized itself, or Godan did, in a sense, excuse me, with Seagulls coming out um, or gaining popularity and just being such a good value guitar and, and just a great, great guitar solid tops um you know some all solid ones and then seagull really took off and so then a and l took a back seat for a little bit um but they recently just re- came out with with a whole new refreshed line at amazing price points and so we have a bunch of those coming in as well as a 12 string seagull absolutely can't wait be, dude that's something that that's like a spruce top with like walnut back inside something like that i believe so and then um and then we actually got a Godan Fifth Avenue. Uh, I forget exactly the model. I think it might be the Kingpin coming in. Um, but if you haven't seen the Fifth Avenues before, Google that as well. Uh, Godan Fifth Avenue. And come on in and check it out. Now, we were just going to do the acoustic one, straight acoustic. It's a semi-hollow, like a flat wound. Mm-hmm. Am I describing that right? Yeah, pretty much. It's like an arch top. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then in talking to, to our rep with Seagull, he suggested, you know, our, our number, like Godan's number two seller is like this particular type of Fifth Avenue and it has, I think a P90 in it, which, which makes sense. If we're going to get that thing, we might as well ball out, you know, plug it in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, But, um, any thoughts on, on the new axes that you were checking out? Do you call an acoustic guitar an axe or is that like reserved for electric guitars? I don't know, like a warhammer. Yeah, <laughs> it's my little warhammer over here, <laughs> my broomstick. <laughs> no, I'm really excited to check out the uh, the twelve string. Of course, I never had a twelve string that had like amazing action before. And Seagull always has like pretty good action on their uh, their guitars and everything, especially with tension. So that's gonna be sick. It's gonna be huge. The A and Ls never tried those before. He showed me a bunch of pictures, and he said like the dude the concert one, the black. Mm-hmm. I bring that one up like two times a day. I'm like, when that comes in. I'm going to be hanging out with it all day. Hurry up, customs. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. We never know exactly when we're going to get our order uh, our order from Godan because it does have to clear customs um, coming right from Canada into here. So sometimes I guess it's faster and sometimes it's longer. Well, about the Fifth Avenue, I've personally never played a flat wound guitar. Do they uh, have flat yeah. wounds on them? Like they're real plinky, right? Like I think so. Never got to check that out before. Never really played an arch top either. So I'm like really excited to plug that thing in and like put a chorus to it or something. I think the only time, sorry, I think the only time I played flat wounds was actually at uh, your bass player Ben's house on his baritone. Does his baritone guitar have flat wounds? It might, because I did play that before, but the strings were really, like, really rusted. They're, like, super old. <laughs> the action was like a, uh, like a lap steel. It was, yeah. like, 12, 12 inches high. <laughs> so maybe not. <laughs> No, baritones, uh, someone was coming in asking about a baritone the other day. If we got a baritone acoustic, it's like B to B, isn't it? Yeah. Like real low? The universe keeps sending us weird signals because someone came in and asked about a baritone guitar. 
right after I got done uh, making that order with Godan. And one of the, the things that our rep uh, suggested to potentially check out was a baritone uh, guitar that Go, I think it was the Godan makes. Um, so we're going to probably start with the Fifth Avenue. And by probably, I mean we are going to start with the Fifth Avenue. And was that acoustic or electric? The, the it might have been like a Fifth Avenue, but like baritone, like kind of a semi-hollow thing. Yeah. Like that. The thing with Godan that, that seems really exciting to get more into um, is like Godan's the parent company. It's like the main name and I guess the highest end, if you will. Sounds like they just do some crazy awesome things. Like um, it might have been this baritone and the their A6 acoustic that we'll probably get in at some point. Um, but they have like the outputs you can run to multiple amps or just like so many options and things I don't don't know about. Um, but so so we'll get into that. But of course, um, yeah. So someone came in and asked for a baritone, uh, asked for a baritone guitar right after talking to to go Dan about a baritone. And then, of course, as the universe would have it as well, the last person that dropped off their guitar to get set up, of course, it was a classic A&L guitar. And so I got to see the original, uh, or I guess one you know that had been had been out a couple years ago, uh, right before we got this this new batch in. It was black, yeah, but it wasn't like you know the new charcoal. It was very. Is it like a matte, just beautiful kind of lighter black kind of thing? Acoustic too, or like was it thinner? Like what did it look like? It I looked have no like idea a, what these guitars are all about, you know? Only yeah. pictures. It looked like a dreadnought. This one did. Um, it just looked like yeah, like kind of a standard dreadnought, and um, with the A and L headstock on there. And I got to play one A and L so far at the uh, factory tour oh, that yeah. Cal and I went on. We we went up to Canada, um, to Princeville, Quebec, and we we got a tour from Simon Godin, of of one of I think he said there's something like seven total factories, or something of that nature. Uh, the one we were at was in Princeville. Then there's um, all of the other ones except for one are elsewhere in Canada, and then there is one in New Hampshire, which I think has something to do with. Um, certain woods that they use and that they get from from that area there, but this was amazing. I don't know. It was, it was a crazy experience to see a guitar just come off fresh off production, then they hand it to this guy um, who goes in this room and does the whole um, puts the strings on very carefully, gets it you know all set up, and then hands it to this other guy that just stands there with a giant Korg wall tuner and tunes every guitar and then just sets it down. And, like, that's his job all day is to play fully strung, brand, 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 brand new guitars. The first person to touch these guitars as they're fully strung. And then he handed me one, and, like, I swear, I didn't even hit more than a fret down, and somehow it played just, like, a whole song. That's it great. Was, it was beautiful. Does that dude just pick up the guitars and play Smoke on the Water every single day? Dan, Dan, good. Dan, Dan, Dan. No, I don't know. He must have a ton of just like self discipline to. Like, he is so good at power that. chords. <laughs> he does them all day. Well, he doesn't even do chords. That's the thing, is he just. Oh, I guess it's like one chord. He just literally tunes each one, gives it like that one strum. It's probably like a G or a D or something like that or a C, and then. And then sets it down. 
Um, but I must say, it'll be really cool to see these ANLs in the store now next to the Seagulls, next to a Fifth Avenue, uh, because the factory that we were at made, um, I think, like the S6, I believe it was the Fifth Avenue, um, and some of the ANLs. So different factories that they have make some of the different model guitars. Um, but what was really cool to see is with the price of these seagulls being being very affordable and very good, you know, we thought we'd really see um, what the shortcut is, if you will, or like, oh, how are they, you know, this price, um, or oh, that's why they're that price, okay, that's cool, you know, we won't really talk about that, or, you know, whatever. Um, but as it turns out, their secret is just being a really fine-tuned, efficient, happy company and and it was really inspiring to see and a really good model um i think simon had mentioned something like that it had been 11 years or something around that time uh since they had to like hire or fire anybody and so everyone was super super happy everyone was ecstatic to see simon come through um and to meet us and to make sure you know we got all the pictures that we wanted and and that we were accommodated. Um, but what was revealed during that is they have developed all these machines and I guess engineered and tweaked all these different uh, pieces of machinery to really aid the employees and not um, not replace them. So it was really cool to see the like the one of the first steps is someone inspects by hand the different pieces of wood and depending on um, the quality of that wood and the design. They put it, you know, in different piles to be used on different guitars. Um, another cool thing of note was, like, all the frets were put in by hand. Um, this lady was sitting there, put the frets in, kind of hammered them down, felt them out, and then she put that in a machine, and then that machine would do, like, an uneven kind of uh, pressure point test on each of the frets, like, individually to make sure, you know, they could take it and that they were smoothed out. And then when the machine, you know, approved everything, she would take it back out and, you know, I guess like feel the edges or whatever to make sure none of that needed to be filed down and then on to the next person. And then it was up to the next person to to do a hands-on, you know, build and inspection as the guitar uh, keeps progressing. So this is really, really cool to see. And they also, I it seemed like every hour there's like a, a bell that went off for like a five or ten minute break. So, because it is intense, it's manual labor, you know, there's sawdust in the air, some rooms were a little more humid, some rooms were drier, uh, but all the employees got like a quick break and you know, I guess step outside, get some fresh air, come back in and go right back at it. So, yeah, it was really cool to see and, and something that we kind of brought home with us uh, to make sure that we keep just being efficient and and give each other the tools uh, to keep going and, and doing what we're doing and doing what we're good at, um, but just to, yeah, just get more streamlined and, and more efficient. It's like a key component to, like, a business in general. It's just having your employees be happy or, like, have them be like, oh, I want to be here. Because if, like, you had, a, like you said, like 11 years or something like that and someone's not left there or been hired or something, mm -hmm. that lady putting those frets on knows those frets for 11 years and is like, I know exactly how they're supposed to be. Cut it out. Nothing. No. No crap in the middle. Just here you go. This is it. And then they just go and do it every single day. And you have like thirty. What is it? Like twenty or thirty other people doing the same thing. I didn't even get a count. It's it's a good bit. I think it was like two stories and 
Yeah, I mean, there must have been at least a dozen people on each floor, I'd say. So, yeah, probably something like 20 to 30 total people. Um, yeah, and, and totally ecstatic. And and to that point, as as this business grows, too, it is really, really important um, to... You're not going to get anywhere if your employees aren't happy, if you're not happy. And... Um, Actually, this summer got to go to it was something called ICCC. It's like the Inner City Capital Connections. Um, I think it's like a sister program of like the Goldman Sachs Ten Thousand Small Businesses or something like that. Um, but I was uh, selected by Finanta, who we did some business business with, uh, to go to this program. And and the the theme of it and what was really important was human capital and and what that means and so yeah you look at all these things on a spreadsheet and you see all these numbers and um you know equations and this and that but it's really the people behind that that are putting the numbers you know on that spreadsheet there and everything and and so if you don't have excited good people um you know willing to to contribute to the cause doing that you're just not going to have much of anything yeah the internet only goes so far you know there's yeah, you can only see that boy memes so many times <laughs> before you're like I should get back to work. Uh, and I don't know. <laughs> I mean, come on, that's your background, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is my background. That's what brings me to work every morning. <laughs> um. So since this is the first one, um, this will be coming out in the middle of the month. So we will be sitting down with Monty, uh, from the band, the upcoming band, Fet for the next podcast and that'll be coming out on may 1st he's also the host of our secret synth society yes the secret synth society which meets the first tuesdays um so we'll get into all of that stuff coming up here soon we actually do have to go um because again the shop opens real soon and time just flew by wow yeah <laughs> so thank you guys yeah, like for listening minutes. oh yeah <laughs> I'm talking. <laughs> I, I hope I hope that was uh, enjoyable for you. We'd love to hear hear from you guys. Um, you can just do contact at bridgesetsound.com, comment on our Facebook, on our Instagram, anywhere. Uh, especially if there's certain things you want us to talk about, or or you know if there's some visual aids that you want to see. Oh, like what we look like at 10 in the morning, fresh off of a lox bagel. <laughs> oh, dude, that's a whole other story. Yeah. That, man, all right. That was too quick, but that is your uh, mid-month behind-the-scenes kind of update. So come on out to the shop, and uh, I guess we're signing off for now. See you guys. 